window of opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 2, In the Line of Duty. Uh, I'm very happy we're here because I really like this episode a lot. A lot. This is definitely one of my gonna. This is definitely gonna be one of my top fives from season two when we get there at the end. I did not remember that um, that we got to meet the Tokra so early. I know, because then they don't come back to like season four. Oh, really? It, That's how it is. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty sure it's season four when we get the Tokra. Oh. Um, oh no, so it's later this season. What am I talking about? I'm dumb. What am I thinking of that's in season four? Is that the one with Jacob that's in season four, maybe? The other Tokra? <laughs> maybe. Um, I don't, why did I think that was in season four? Apparently, I've just lost my mind and don't know anything anymore. No, oh, no, they're all <laughs> blending together. No. Um, yeah. Okay. No, they come back later this season. Never mind. Ignore me. I'm, no, just, okay. I'm just being silly. Cool. So, yeah. Well, that would have been weird if they introduced this one. And then, <laughs> and then two seasons later, they were like, oh, yeah. Remember when we started that epic storyline that went nowhere? Surprise, they're back. Yeah. No, it's just it's later the season. I'm, yeah, I'm just being silly. <laughs> so I don't think we have anything to wrap up from last week. I think we're all good because... But SG-1 is also all good because there's no mention of anything that has happened at any time before this. We just, like, jump in in the middle of this episode. No, there's not even, like, a meeting of, hey, guys, so, memo. (laughs) The Stargate (laughs) program is back on. (laughs) Apophis is dead. Quote, so we think. And the SGC is still up. Yeah, like, I mean, five, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, not even, like, just a two-minute something yeah nobody even made a joke of like coming into work tomorrow okay yeah no no so and uh, not only that but they hit the ground running yeah they really do so let's get in let's just jump into it then for ourselves this episode originally aired on july 3rd 1998 it was written by robert c cooper and directed by martin wood and in this episode, Carter is possessed by a ghoul who claims to be an enemy of the system lord, Jolinar of Mokshore, and who is being hunted by an assassin that has followed her to Earth. Oh, so are we actually supposed to pronounce it the Tokra or the Tokra? I, I suppose it depends on how fancy you're being. Is it Target or Target? Who knows? Theater or theater? <laughs> yes. Or is it is it Hurricane Henry or Hurricane Henri? Which... <laughs> Given how it's spelled, it's Hurricane Alri. But that's oh. just me. Uh, <laughs> um, Sounds like you're going to be saying Tokra. I to- I I know. I think I say Tokra, mm. like okra, but Tokra, because I'm a lazy American oh, for the most now part. Now I'm not going to be able to separate those. I'm going <laughs> to think of the Tokra whenever I'm making gumbo. Thanks. Now <laughs> <laughs> I had a cup of Tokra. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it'll never be the same. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, in a good way. It'll be more fun. Okay. I will start giggling. No one will know why. And just is going to be like, are you okay? <laughs> yes, I'm fine. <laughs> I'll just, and Togra. They <laughs> <laughs> oh. do kind of look like aliens, though. They do what look weird. Yeah. Oh. There you go. 
So this episode, we open on like a close up of like a small wooden statue on like a on the end of like a spike of some kind. And then there's just explosions just everywhere. There's just explosions. We're on a beach. Things are exploding. There's death gliders everywhere. There's people running to and fro. They're running. They're running. They're running. They're running. So is this where they decided to blow the entire season's budget, like on the first episode? I mean, it seems like, I don't know. If I mean, if you do notice in shows, all the big stuff usually does happen in the beginning of the season when they know they still have money. So yeah. you know, why not spend it while you got it? Um, so, and then we see SG-1 and what looks like at least like one other team, because there's some like SG, like people in the background with their guns trying to shoot a death glider with an automatic rifle. Don't really know how well that's gonna work, but um, everybody's like running, trying to get to the gate to get away. And we see Sam come to a stop next to a man laying on the ground, and he's still alive. And Sam like wants to help him, but Jack, who's carrying a child, just runs by and tells Sam like, "We got, it's time to go. We can't stay. Too bad. We gotta go because just all hell has broken loose on this planet." And Daniel's up on like the gate platform, helping people get through the gate. Jack hands the boy he was carrying to Tilk so he can go back for Sam. Daniel runs on the platform, calls for like a medic to help a very injured man through the gate. And the medic is like, is he still alive? And Daniel's like, yeah, but he's probably going to wish he wasn't, which is like, oh, I like, I get what you're saying, but did you really need to say that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, seems a little not very sympathetic. And Daniel is usually a little more sympathetic than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we cut back to Sam and she's doing CPR on that man she'd stopped by earlier. And when she goes to do like the mouse to mouth part of it, he like reaches up and holds her head in place. And we hear the squeaky, squeaky noise of a Gould symbiote. She Which we don't know what it is yet. Still don't know what it is. Still trying to find that out. And she struggles and finally gets away. But then her eyes flash. <gasps> uh, she's got a Gould in her. Oh, my God. No, oh, man. Oh. Nobody saw it. Nobody saw a thing. Nobody saw it. And Jack finally gets there, sees blood on her lip. She insists she's fine. The guy just, like, had a seizure and bit his tongue. And Jack goes to, like, pick him up. But Sam's like, no, he's dead. He had to see, you know, he's not going to make it. So then she and Jack run back to the gate. And we cut to the other side of the gate, back at the SGC. And the gate room is basically in chaos as people are brought through, being sort of quickly examined by whatever medical staff they have. And ushered off to wherever they need to be and Hammond orders a full medical quarantine while they wait for everybody to be examined. So luckily we are apparently learning some quarantine procedures from previous missions. Yeah. But the quarantine is off site, isn't it? See, I don't know. Is, do they have like a designated facility like area of the SGC? That's the quarantine area like you'd think with all those levels they would just have a quarantine level i mean they i think they would have to because they can't risk people if they bring back like an airborne thing letting them like out of the sgc even briefly so i imagine there is some sort of quarantine site on sgc properties that finally at this point in time at least yeah let's hope that's a yes yes uh Hammond then asks Daniel where the rest of SG-1 are, and he's like, they're right behind me, and a dozen Jaffa right behind them, and then Jack, Sam, and Tilk finally make it through, so Hammond yells to lock it up, they close the iris, we hear the thuds of apparently several Jaffa hitting the iris, and then the gate shuts down, 
Jack again asks Sam if she's okay because she's kind of looking a little like woozy as she takes in, you know, the room around her. But yeah, she's fine. And we cut to the opening credits. So, yeah. Cue interpretive dance. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, this episode starts off like literally with a bang. And action packed. It is. So we come back from the opening credits. We're in the briefing room. And we have, like, SG-1 and a couple other uh, Air Force personnel there. And one of the airmen is passing out the briefing report while Daniel starts the meeting and goes through basically what has happened. And we learn that it had been over 300 years since the Gould had last had any interactions with the Nassians, which is apparently, that's the people that were on that planet. The planet is Nassia. And they were a very peaceful people and very willing to help the SGC set up uh, a research post when the just ghoul just like attacked out of nowhere. So, you know, I like my research and previously on this show, most place names have had some relation to ancient earth culture. So I decided to look up Nassia to see if it had anything to do with anything. And as far as I can tell, it is not a place name from any point in history, but I did find that Nasia, N-A-S-Y-A, is a form of alternative treatment to help treat various nasal and head ailments, with Nasia meaning nasal, uh, through a combination of massage of like the head, neck, and shoulders, along with aromatherapy and the application of like oils, like warmed oils to the nasal cavity that it originated in India and has kind of spread a bit around the world here and there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was just kind of like, huh, okay. I don't think that has anything to do with anything, but I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> so it's supposed to help with things like sinusitis and like migraines and headaches and things like that, supposedly. But again, alternative medicine, take it with a massive grain of salt. So, mm-hmm. but apparently it's been around for a very long time. It does kind of sound like a nasal spray. It, it does. Like, it is. Nastia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So Jack proposes that perhaps the Gould knew that SG-1 were there. And Daniel's like, well, how? And why would they care? And Jack's like, well, you know, that whole Apophis thing. That is kind of a ridiculous question for him to ask at this point. Of why would they care where we are? Like, really? You, like, really? killed Apophis. And Ra, you have killed two system lords. You have thwarted them trying to kill you. You know yeah. that you've pissed them off. They it's care. really kind of past the point of asking that question. Yeah. Um, but Tilk adds that he has often seen the Gould wipe out entire civilizations basically just because they felt like it, because they could. He's like, I'm going to go destroy that planet today. Yes, my lord, and off they go. But Sam interjects that maybe their reasons were just unknown to him, Tilk, who was just a lowly Jaffa. <gasps> uh, what? Excuse me? <laughs> like... You notice how in this episode, too, they're being very leading with uh, the music. Yeah. <laughs> More so than I have noticed before that all of a sudden she said that and the music was just like, da-da. Yeah. And so everyone's supposed to know, like, oh, oh, she said something wrong. Okay. Well, yeah. We're supposed I, to be offended. Yes. Which, I mean, I think I would be even without the musical cue because this is Sam saying that. And Sam does not say stuff like that. Um. But you, you can imagine that scene going very differently without the music. Everyone would just kind of be like, hmm? Yeah. But now with the music, everyone's like, what? 
Yeah. Except Daniel, because Daniel kind of agrees with Sam. He's kind of like, well, yeah, there's still a whole bunch of stuff about, like, Gould society that, like, we don't know. So I guess Daniel's supposed to sort of temper our, is there something wrong with Sam kind of thing, I guess, because he's wearing she, a different Daniel hat. She's not wrong. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, they did manage to save 237 people from the planet. And any of the people that the SGC couldn't treat on site were sent to the local Air Force Academy hospital. And Daniel wants to try and figure out why this planet was attacked. And Hammond does too, but the, the higher priority is to get these Nassians relocated ASAP because there's a lot of them and they can't keep them all at the SGC indefinitely. And the new SG teams 10 through 12 will help SG-1 with the relocation search to find somewhere to put the Nassians. So we're now up to 12 SG teams. I was going to say, did we ever, where were we last time we tried to figure out how many SG teams there were? Um, I think on train has been mentioned up to nine. Like it's interesting because not a lot of the SG teams are like other SG teams are seen on screen, but they get like referenced a lot. Like SG two is like the Marines and stuff that you get from early in season one. And we get scattered here and there, like SG 12 is this and whatever. But I just kind of like, even though we never see them, we hear about them. So we know the world is bigger than just what we get to see on the show. Mm-hmm. So so I'm thinking that when they get around to jumpstarting a new Stargate Stargate series, when they're like, oh, yeah, hey, it's been a while, let's start this up yeah. again, they should do SG-13. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you have anything in mind for what SG-13 does? No, it just sounds cool. And you make the decision whether or not it's good luck or bad luck. Okay. SG-13. Cursed? We'll find out. (laughs) All righty then. (laughs) (laughs) So the briefing wraps up and Jack reminds Carter that she still needs to get checked out by Fraser, And she's like, yep, going to do that right away. And like slugs him in the shoulder. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. interesting. And basically, yeah, Sam's just really not acting like herself at this point in time. So we then cut to the infirmary with Sam getting examined by Dr. Fraser and to kind of fool us, like this camera starts on the back of Sam's neck as she's getting examined, because the only way we know for Gould to get into people right now is through the back of the neck. Mm-hmm. But we saw what happened. So obviously there's no mark that there usually is with Gould possession as we know it at this time. Uh, there is, however, a small abrasion on the back of her throat, which could be from like anything but dr fraser does swab it just in case and she also mentions that sam hasn't been by to see cassandra in a while and it seems to sort of take sam a second to like remember who cassandra is she's like oh yeah cassandra okay i'll come by and see her tomorrow because fraser's gonna be at the hospital with all the nassians and so sam will go by the hospital and see her in the morning before they go start their recon for relocation kind of mission so we cut 
to the next day, and Fraser is examining one of the men from NASIA at the hospital when Sam arrives. Uh, we hear that he has burned over 80% of his body and should be dead, yet somehow is not. And also there's like no sign of infection yet, which is very interesting for a man with burns over 80% of his body. Is that the body. same guy that Daniel saved? That I he said so. he's gonna He's going to wish he's not alive? I think so. Yeah. Um, so Fraser needs to go make a round, but Cassandra's in her office waiting for Sam. So Sam's like, got it. But after Fraser leaves, Sam like stays behind and kind of like looks at the guy for a second. And then after Sam leaves the room, the camera stays on him and like his like chest glows and the light kind of like wibbly wobbles like down his body, like towards his abdomen. What the fuck's that about? Like, which what? is also new because yeah. when when ghouls like heal people, it's not it's never been like you glowy. know alien glowy magic and oh my god yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. So it's like that's new. Yeah, it's weird. Um, new budget. Yes. <laughs> new budget, new gould. Yeah. So Sam finds Cassandra and they hug each other and Cassandra though then pulls away and like looks kind of scared and like afraid of Sam and goes to hide behind the couch and Sam air quotes seems to realize she's been discovered and like her eyes glow as she like crosses the room towards Cassandra. So yeah. And like no don't hurt Cassandra. No because we, we no. we've already had one SG member possessed by Gould and we saw how we know how that ends and I don't want that to happen to Sam either. So back at the SGC, Jack and Hammond are discussing possible sites for the Nassians to be relocated to. Jack suggests P3X422, which I double checked and it is not a planet that has been visited on screen. So it's not like a planet from a past mission that we know of. So no idea who or what is on P3X. 422 other than a hopefully friendly civilization or maybe it's a completely abandoned planet and is you know viable for life but has nobody living on it who knows could be anything you don't know um but they are interrupted by jack getting an urgent phone call and it turns out that urgent phone call was from dr fraser because cassandra is suddenly very very scared and will only talk to jack it's freaking out man yeah so he heads into Janice's office at the hospital and Cassandra tells Jack that she's scared because Sam said if Cassandra told that Sam would kill her. And Jack's like, oh, no, Sam doesn't mean that. Sam loves you. She wouldn't kill you. And Cassandra's like, well, she would now because she's a ghoul. <gasps> I think also <laughs> this might be the episode where we first get Dr. Fraser's first name of Janet. Oh, really? I don't recall anybody calling her Janet in season one. Hmm. But Jack, like Jack calls her Janet in this little scene here with Cassandra. And Hmm. not, nothing's coming to mind, at least. Sam would have done it. Because they're like friends. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to go back through and check. But I don't know. At least it's the first time it was, it was sort of very noticeable that Jack called her Janet. But I might be totally wrong. I probably am. Somebody will correct me. <laughs> um, Janet. Janet. Yes. 
I'm sure somebody out there is yelling, no, she was called Janet in this episode. And, mm-hmm. I'm sure Bree would know. Yeah. Um, we then cut to sometime a bit later. We're back at the SGC and Sam is like stalking through the halls in her mission gear. And she heads into the locker room looking for Jack. And Daniel's like, he said he'd meet us in the gate room. She's like, well, step on it. We got to go. She's like, needs to get off this planet. She needs to go. Pronto. Pronto. Yes. So we get to the gate room and the gate is not yet dialing wherever she one is supposed to go. And we see Hammond and Fraser in the control room as Sam sort of walks in and starts pacing back and forth in front of the gate. And fun fact, this is one of the shots of Sam's opening credits from the show. Her <gasps> pacing back and Sam? forth. Huh? Yeah, even it's though it's not, not Sam. I know, it's Sam, but not Sam. But, yeah. And Daniel and Tilk come in from one door in their mission gear. Jack comes in from the other, but he's, like, just in his BDUs. Like, he's not, like, all ready for the mission. And he says that they're on stand-down because of some random technical issue before also casually, like, ramming his arm into her shoulder. Turns out he has a syringe in his hand. And Sam's like, what the hell was that? And Janet's like, that should have, like, taken her out. Like, apparently it was loaded with sedative. Should have mm-hmm. taken her out. But instead, it has just made her very mad. And her eyes flash, the Gouldy flash, and we get the Gould voice now. And she just demands that the Stargate be opened. And obviously, that's not going to happen. So she starts fighting with Jack and even tries to shoot him. When she gets shot with another tranquilizer dart from an airman standing off to the side, but she like still doesn't go down. Tilk raises his staff weapon, but then Sam pulls out a grenade and like pulls the pin. And Jack tells everybody to like hold their fire because you don't want to shoot somebody who's holding a grenade because they will then drop the grenade. And then finally the tranquilizers start to take effect and Sam starts to go down and Jack manages to like get in there and like grab the grenade before it goes off. And then Sam gets taken away. I, I do like in this scene how they don't reveal like what Jack's doing until he's like, Oh, it goes up to her and just like, you know, hits her on the arm with the thing and you find out. Cause usually, you know, TV style, he would have walked in and be like, well, you know, we're on standby due to the fact that Sam here is a ghoul. And then he would have, like, <laughs> raised his hand and, like, tried to, like, thrust it in full view of her for her to, like, right. stop it. With the, then they would have the epic battle. But, no, I really like how this is finally, like, well, oh, hey, how you doing? Hey there, buddy. And, like, snap him on the arm and just, like, tranquilizer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was like, you know, that slipping the mater d' a $20 bill to get the yeah. good to thing. They need to do that a lot more often. They really do. Um, (laughs) so up in the briefing room SG-1 Frazier and Hammond are all trying to figure out like what the hell's going on and like what happened and Frazier apologizes for not catching it but the only thing was just that small abrasion in her throat that could have been from anything and Jack then suddenly remembers Sam giving that one guy mouth to mouth so Janet's like well if there's the possibility of there being no visible mark of somebody being possessed by Gould, like sort of scar in the back of the neck thing. We're just going to have to start giving every SG member an MRI or an ultrasound when they come back from a mission, which is this the first like in episode memo? <laughs> I thought of that too. <laughs> They're starting to do our work for us. I was like, memo! <laughs> 
Oh. Uh, so, I mean, I think that Also, that- were you surprised at, like, why haven't they done this already? I know. Why? <laughs> I mean, why was that why? implemented after Charlie? Like... Why doesn't every single person that goes through the gate have a full battery of tests done upon yeah. return? Yeah. <laughs> we really need to up their returning member protocol medical exam thing. <laughs> Clearly, they just come off and they're like, hey, you good? Yeah, I'm good. All right, cool. Medical examination check. <laughs> <laughs> they are a little casual about it sometimes. <laughs> um. So, but the point is, why would a ghoul have been possessing somebody on that planet in the first place? Good question. And nobody has any idea. They they don't know. But whatever, why, however, whatever, they need to get to the bottom of what's going on with Sam. So, Tilk mentions that perhaps this is, like, intentional sabotage by the ghoul. And maybe there's an explosive device on the base already. Oh, okay. That that sounds awesome. So uh, Hammond wants Tilk to go help search for any such ghouled device that may exist and for Jack to interrogate the prisoner, which Jack seems super excited about. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yay. Yay. Um, back at the hospital, we get a doctor entering the room of the man covered in bandages and he still appears to be unconscious. And the doctor starts to remove some bandages so he can do some tests on the guy when this patient's hand like shoots up and just grabs the doctor by the neck. So apparently not unconscious anymore. Yeah. So he's fine. And in another room of the hospital, Daniel enters and finds one of the other refugees awake staring at the window. And he's kind of like, oh, sorry, because she's in the hospital gown with her back to Daniel, and we know what we all know what hospital gowns are like <laughs> from the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but she turns, she turns around and is like, "Your your planet is beautiful." And he's like, "Yeah, it can be." And then introduces himself and asks if they can talk for a minute. And back at the SGC, Tilk walks into wow. the locker room to find Jack just kind of sitting there, and Jack definitely seems to be having some trouble coming to groups with like what's happened to Sam and like what he has to do and like the interrogation thing. And Tilk offers the advice to try and humiliate the Gould as arrogance is their greatest weakness. And he also reminds Jack to not see his friend. And Jack's like, how do you do that? Now at this point in time, do you think they pretty much feel like Sam's dead? I don't haven't been able to rescue anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're thinking the odds aren't good for Sam. I don't think they would ever completely write her off until she, like, actually is dead or may die. But, yeah, I don't think anybody has super positive vibes at the moment for Mm -hmm. rescuing Sam. Because, yeah, like you said, they haven't been able to rescue anybody. So, yes. But Jack finally enters the holding cell and waves the guard out. And we see that in addition to the sort of normal metal bars, there's also some sort of like electrical laser grid around the cell too. And, you know. Which I have no idea what those are really supposed to do. I know. It was kind of alert them when she tries to get out. I mean, are they like sort of like, 
tasing like like is it like like would it give like some sort of electrical shock to stop the ghoul from getting to the metal bars because a ghoul would be able to just you know wrench the bars apart somehow like some sort of like taser laser <laughs> a taser laser <laughs> Taser laser. Taser laser. I don't know. I I was trying to think to myself, like, what are the what do those other lights do? Is that just part of the budget? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I always look at it. Yes, it's it's got to have some kind of taser like effect, like that would even work on a ghoul. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, Jack tries to get answers, but obviously the school isn't going to be intimidated because they're just lowly humans, whatever. He's like, yeah, well, we took out two of you, so, mm. but. In your face. In your face. And the ghoul is like, you have no idea why this is happening. And then just sort of goes to sit down on the bed and Jack's like, you don't want to tell us why, would you? No, mm-hmm. nope, not, not, not going to yeah. tell you anything because they're mm-hmm. old. Nope. So back at the hospital, Daniel is talking to the woman in that room. Uh, her name is Talia. And it turns out she is the wife of the guy that Sam was giving mouth to mouth to. So Daniel's sort of, they got footage from, I guess, the MALP or some camera that was there recording everything. And so Daniel's sort of trying to figure out basically like when the Gould would have arrived on that planet and maybe what they were doing there, like what was happening, what was going on. And Talia insists that her husband was not behaving oddly in any way. He was perfectly fine, but he did suddenly have like a scar behind his ear. And Daniel like gets very excited about this news and sort of like, you know, starts overloading her with questions. And then she obviously becomes very distressed at all this. And he was like, Oh, okay. I should, (laughs) I'll Which I back. kind of love how he, just the questions he asks are just ridiculous. I'm like, what? You didn't notice anything? He didn't get violent? His eyes didn't glow? It's like, <laughs> She's just like, what are you talking about? Because in the world. Because these people have no idea what the ghouls are. It's been 300 years. So who knows what kind of stories may have been passed down and how those may have been sort of corrupted over the years. They probably are just sort of fairy tales at this point if there is any kind of history of the Gould to these people, it's, yeah, they they have no knowledge of that this is real. <laughs> that Gould are really things, people, beings that exist. So, uh, so he leaves, and as he leaves, he passes by the room of the bandaged patient, and he keeps going, but then the camera, like, moves into that room, and we see that the bed is empty, the doctor is unconscious on the floor and the guy is in the bathroom starting to like unwrap some of his bandages. And he then like starts to choke and then like leans over and vomits this like little rate, this device into the sink. And it kind of, kind of looks like a fidget spinner now, uh, which didn't exist back then, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, it's got like, you know, the three, the three prongs on it yeah. and with like different colored stones that are like, pink yellow and then the other one is like blue or black kind of it kind of changed color in the light so i'm not sure if it was like a dark blue or just black um but he like fits it over the middle fingers of his right hand so like the stones are like on the inside against his palm and the little beams of light come out from the stones and sort of coalesce into this like little ball above the device and he seems very pleased that Mm. this device is still working considering it was apparently in his stomach for a while so 
<laughs> for how long we don't know. I, I don't know. Um, Maybe that. Is, so is swallowing the thing like what the what the also what the guy needed to heal himself from? <laughs> like this is not oh. going to do well when it's coming back up. We're gonna. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's a magician and can do the thing where he like holds things in his throat, you know, without like fully swallowing them like into his stomach. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's gross. So a bit later, Dr. Fraser comes into the room and this equipment is still kind of all strewn about from when the doctor came in earlier to examine the guy and say, Dr. Fraser just like sighs like, Ugh, why can't people clean up after themselves? And there is a man covered in bandages in the bed, but it's 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 the doctor guy. It's not the guy from earlier. It's yeah. now the doctor. Which question? How how did the Ashrak know how to hook that guy up to all the various monitors and stuff? And why, when he got out of bed and took all the monitors off of him, did they not all start going haywire like they do in every medical show ever? I don't know. Like, also, how did he? meticulously the put the bandages back in the exact method that they were. Well, actually, if you pay attention, when he goes into the bathroom and he, like, the the bandages covering his head kind of come off in one piece, almost like 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 a balaclava, like, like you know, a ski mask thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe he just slipped me. He, he managed to keep that all in one piece and just slipped it back on the guy. I don't know. I'm, but, I don't really, I don't think it's a hat. I, don't. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not, but it kind of comes off like one. So I I don't know. I mean, you would think, like, if that were real life, I'm I'm picturing like that middle scene where he's just taking it and delicately, delicately <laughs> putting it back around. Like, I have to preserve my identity for as long as possible. Make me like, does he really care about not being seen? He does not. Yeah, not really. But I mean, he I guess hiding... everybody he comes into contact with. Yeah. But I guess, I mean, hiding that guy hides his identity for a little bit longer. I don't know. It, but yeah. Really funny. It's, These are the things that, I, that like make me giggle is just imagining that cut scene in the middle yeah. where he's either where he's either delicately putting it all back, delicately plugging everything all in, or he's just taking it off and going, oh, I want to bring him. Yeah. <laughs> One of those two would have been with <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so back at the SGC in the holding cell, Jack and quote unquote Sam are still in their standoff, and she's pleading to like be let through the gate. Jack's like, it's not, it's not gonna happen. It is not gonna happen. And she promises she'll go find another host and return Sam unharmed. And Jack's like, you can do that because as far as we know, that can't be done. As far as we know, once a ghoul leaves a human host, they die. But apparently not. And Jack's like, well, the Nassian man died. And the ghoul is like, well, he le- he died first, and then I left him. So, you know. What am I thought? Yes. But still, no, not, not going to happen. You're not going to go through the gate. So Jack goes to leave. And suddenly, it seems like the real Sam is back. And she's like, Jack, he's not lying. Don't leave me like this. And But you know, he just walks away. So question... Was that really Sam, or was that Jolinar pretending to be Sam? I think it was Jolinar pretending to be Sam. Okay. I think so, too, because, like, after Jack leaves, like, she goes back to Jolinar, like, really quickly and is like, what is it going to take? Like, she tried, you yeah. know. That, I think Jolinar was just testing the waters a little bit. 
Okay. So back at the hospital, we see the man from earlier is now in like some sort of stolen doctor's clothing. He's got like the doctor's jacket on and like shirt and tie and stuff. And he seems to be going from room to room looking for something or someone. And he enters one room and holds the device over the guy who's in bed over his head, which like reveals his skull. So it's, I don't, it's like a portable x-ray machine or something on his hand. But I mean, the effects I think are really cool. Like how mm-hmm. they do it. Like I like it. And it looks cool to me. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So, but apparently this guy is not what he's looking for. So he leaves. And back at the SGC, Tilk has now entered the holding cell, apparently at the request of Sam. And she tries to convince him to convince them to let her go and she mentions that the Tauri are powerful, but she can still provide them with information to defend against the attack or, well, any attack. And so it's like, no need. We already took care of that. It's fine. And she's like, OK, well, then surely there's a worse attack being planned. And Tilk is just like not having any of it. And Sam goes on to say that not all Gould are the same. And surely he has heard of the Tokra. And he's like, yeah, but sure, they're, they're not real. He's never met one. He has now, because this is Jolinar of Malkshore. His face when she says that yeah. is like... <gasps> it's like I love his face. Like, yeah. <gasps> okay, question, though, for you. But in the teal, like, frown, teal, like frowny way. Like, yeah. Okay, question for you, because I saw this question on several sort of message boards about this episode. Who or what is Malkshore? Because she's Jolinar of Malkshore. Oh, I kind of wondered that myself. If that, if if she's referring to some sort of, you know, family name or destiny or yeah, yeah, I did wonder that myself. because oh, I'd never heard any of them have any sort of of so and so. Yeah. So one common thing I saw was that. Malkshore was the name of the planet of her first or his first host. Because as we learn later, as we learn later, the Tokra don't take unwilling hosts. So mm-hmm. Malkshore is the planet or city or wherever where this Tokra's first host was from. What do you think about um, that? I like that. I think that sounds good. Yeah, it it does sound like it's more of a I am from this place rather than I am associating with these people or using it as like a family name. Like Hammond of Texas. Right. (laughs) Well, you know, that makes sense then why you said that. Yeah. That's how they identify themselves is where they're from. Okay. All right. I like it too. So we'll go with Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So at the hospital, Daniel returns to check on Talia again and we see the alien guy in there and he's doing his little exam thing and it's like, oh, sorry, I'll come back. And he's like, it's fine. And he goes in and or Daniel goes into the room and the doctor just kind of turns and walks away without really looking at Daniel. And Daniel's like, is, is she OK? And he's like, yeah, she's fine. And Daniel kind of looks back at him because I mean, that was kind of weird that mm-hmm. whatever he said, that was weird. And then we see Dr. Fraser walking down the hall and she asks another staff member if she's seen Dr. Jacobs lately. No, she hasn't. Okay. Well, does she have the blood work on the patient in room 412, which is the room from our mystery patient? And she does. So great. Fraser looks at it, 
apparently sees something extremely alarming and runs back to room 412. She pulls the bandages away from his face and it's the missing Dr. Jacobs. So question, what did she see in the blood work that made her react that way? I don't know, but I, I wondered that myself. Is it Naquita? Was there, because apparently that guy is a ghoul himself, so he would have Naquita in his blood. Well, so here's the other, okay, so that raises another question I had, because okay. they say later, or maybe they would have said it already, is that perhaps Cassandra could sense her because she has Naquita in her blood, mm-hmm. which I don't know. It continues to bug me when they do that because the fact that they also emphasize so often that the ghoul didn't build the Stargates. So why do they keep associating them with that technology as if it's part of their origin? I don't know. That is a very good question. It bugs me because they keep doing that. They keep doing both, right? They keep they keep associating talking about them as if that is part of their origin and technology is part of the origin. And then they keep saying all the time of like, well, they're just parasites that just, you know, feed on everything else and they just use whatever they can. And they didn't make her like, it's, it's very weird. So it bugs me whenever they do that. Well, maybe the ghouls homeworld is just very rich in Naquita, which is apparently found throughout the galaxy, but maybe was especially rich on their home world. So while they may not have built the Stargate, which is apparently made of Naquita, it's still part of their physiological makeup. I mean, I guess we have iron in our blood. We do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. One of the longstanding questions. So back at the SGC, Jack and Tilk are both now, like, interrogating Tolinar. 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 Jolinar. Her name is Jolinar. His name. Okra Tolinar. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Oh, I really like that name. Okra Tolinar. (laughs) That needs to be my my name whenever I play Clue. (laughs) There you go. I like it. Do it. Do it. Uh, nice to meet you. Yes. So Tilk does confirm to Jack that there is this like legend among the Jaffa about the Tokra. However, there's really no way to confirm that Jolinar is a Tokra and not just a Gould. And then Jolinar interjects, unfortunately, we do not carry identification, which <laughs> I think is rather funny. And apparently even the Tokra can be quippy when they need to be. So... <laughs> Oh, so funny. And Jack's like, all right, let's let's maybe try and build some trust here. If you're supposed to be a good guy, we're good guys too. Let's maybe try and get something going here. And so Jack asks about the guy from the hospital who was apparently, you know, super burned over like 80% of his body, but is now up and walking around totally fine. And Jalanhar says that he must be an Ashrak, which Tilka translates to mean as hunter. Apparently, the Ashrak are assassins of the highest order of the Gould. Okay, cool. Who's he hunting? Jolinar! Surprise! And this is where it suddenly clicks that that must have been why their planet was getting attacked. Therefore, Jolinar is responsible for however many people that died that day. Way to go. Well, is she or is it, you know, the Ashrak and the Gould? 
Debatable. Yeah. So back in the briefing room, Jack and Tilk are telling him and Daniel about everything that they've learned. And we get the additional information from Tilk that apparently Jolinar once tried to overthrow another system lord before Apophis joined the fight and defeated Jolinar. That he is Jolinar of the Tok'ra, which Daniel sort of translates Tok'ra to mean resistance. Um, and that Jolnar is being hunted. So now everybody knows what's going on. And we also learned that it was apparently Brighthack who first told Tilk about the Tok'ra. But they still have a way to confirm if any of this is true, because everything Tilk knows is sort of in legend, and, you know, who knows what Jolnar is saying, if it's true or not, whatever. However, on the plus side, there have apparently been no signs of sabotage found anywhere on the base, either as like an explosive device or anything being amiss with like the computer systems. So everything on base is as it should be. So that's kind of, I think, a check in the plus column for Jolinar being a Tok'ra, at least at this point. But then there's the whole thing that there's like another ghoul out there who wants to come and like kill Jolinar. And we have no idea what this person looks like. So, fantastic. Back at, yes. So, back at the hospital, we get a class one security breach announced over the intercom, and there's airmen running around. And the mystery guy, who we now understand to be the Ashrak, asks one of the airmen if the people are being sent home. He's like, You could say that. He's talking about, like, he's talking about, like, the Nassians, right? And mm-hmm. they're going home, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. So, relocated. Yeah. Okay, so back at the SGC, it's now time for Daniel to talk to Sam slash Jolinar, and Tilk is also there to stand guard. And Daniel wants to know if Jolinar knows what the Ashrak looks like. Nope. And apparently letting Jolinar go is the only way to save Sam. Again, like, not going to happen. You're, we're not going to let you leave the base. You're stuck here. And Daniel goes to leave. But wait! Jolinar can give her back to you. Not Sam, Sharae. Apparently Jolinar knows where Sharae is. You know what I also found interesting about this conversation is that they open with Jolinar slash Carter saying, hey, you apparently care about me as much as the other two. Why are you only coming to see me now? I thought that was a really interesting comment, didn't you? Yeah. It is interesting because, yeah, why why hasn't Daniel been to see her? And why would that be something that the Jolinar would have pointed out? Yeah. Like, are, are there feelings there? I don't know. I just thought that was so interesting to throw in there. Yeah. But the other question is, is Jolinar lying about Sharae? How would Jolinar know about Sharae? Um, well, so it does make sense. If Jolinar is actually part of this resistance, of course, the resistance would have heard about the people of this planet that are, you know, starting to make a dent or at least annoying Mm -hmm. very, very badly. The Gould, who are they? Where do they come from? Why are they doing this? What are they doing? And then would have heard about, well, they took so and so and so and so. Like, so it totally makes sense that Jolinar would have actually heard about this. As to okay. actually having information as to where Share is, I don't know, but... Okay. I can buy that. I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. 
So we get a quick cut back to the hospital where the Ashrak is now in fatigues to try and blend in with the soldiers who are evacuating the Nassians back to the SGC. And he climbs into one of the trucks and the driver asks who he is. And he's like, I'm John Adams, which is apparently the wrong answer because the driver's like, you're not John. Apparently he and John are like super buddies. And the Ashrak just holds up his hand with the device and uses it to like hypnotize him or something which now is not just an x-ray machine <laughs> and now it's like it's whatever we need it to be some mm-hmm. kind of mind control device who knows because the driver just like drives off apparently as he's supposed to back to the sgc so we get more debate back at the sgc about whether or not jolinar is telling the truth jack's like he's not buying it never gonna buy it but we also learned from Daniel that apparently the Tok'ra have a much more symbiotic relationship with their hosts than the ghoul do and that they don't take hosts against their will. It's usually just people who are dying or close to death who can then like go on and live a long, healthy life. And Sam being an exception, an exception because Jolinar just sort of had to get out of there. Like he had to leave. But I saw somebody else bring up a point of did he did Jolinar really take Sam against her will as far as what Jolnar understands because as we learn later the Tok'ra do like a mouth do mouth to mouth for moving from host to host so here he is Jolnar's dying here's this person who puts their mouth against his mouth oh this must be my new host do you think Jolnar thought Sam was a willing host possibly no because if this whole if like a whole bunch of people show up to save you and you have no idea who they are or where they're from or even that they know you're there chances are they don't know you're there that's (laughs) true Okay. To yeah. A transfer. If if his purpose right. of being on the planet was hiding, and nobody true. knows he's there. Okay. okay. I just thought that was an interesting perspective, which I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. But then, yeah, that doesn't really make sense. You know, that yeah. seems like it would make sense for a much like simpler level of being, but not yeah. not one such as what we're learning about the Gould. Okay. Um. So also the first group of Nassians have arrived back from the hospital. So apparently the evacuation is we've, we've, we have found somewhere to put the Nassians and we're getting ready to send them there. So we then sort of start to bounce around the SGC and we see the Ashrak coming through this new security device that I'm assuming is apparently some kind of quick scan, maybe for the Gould symbiote, possibly. I- whole machine setup thing is weird because there's like a hand scanner thing which seems to be an id thing but then there's like another thing that they have to walk through that is like another security point of some kind so he obviously like fails the hand scanner thing because his handprint's not on file because he's not from the sgc but then he's not john adams but then he just does the hypnotizing thing again and walks through this the other security device even alarms are start going off and then he enters another security room around the corner which how does he know where anything is um but 
And then the airmen that are in there turn and look and he just goes, as you were, which how does he know to say that? He is not from Earth. He is not possessing an Earth airman. He is an alien from an alien planet. How does he know to how to behave like an Earth human? I like a military know. Earth human. How does I don't he know, know what to say and do? It's really funny, isn't it? <laughs> and then we cut to the gate room where we see Daniel leading a group of Nassians like up to the gate, including Talia, to see them all off. And back in the security room, the other airmen that were in there are now unconscious. And the Ashrak finds Jolinar like on the security monitors that are there. And then it cut to the control room where uh, Hammond, Jack, and Tilk are entering. And Hammond gets a phone call from the infirmary. And a little fun fact, the uniform that the woman who's wearing who hands Hammond the phone, that is the official uniform for pregnant Air Force members. So. That's why it looks different from the other uniforms of the airmen there. It's because she is apparently pregnant. So. Oh, interesting. Yes. Hmm. So apparently they actually, the phone... They actually got something accurate? Yeah. they got. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's accurate. I mean, not right. everything, but there's a lot. Yeah. Um, but apparently the phone call from the infirmary is that the driver of the truck that not John Adams got into uh, reported down there as he had no memory of driving from the hospital to the SGC. And Jack asks one of the guys at the control board to pull up the security feed, but we see that it's all scrambled. So Jack and Tilk. Do you find it amazing that he knew exactly what camera to pull up? (laughs) Yes. Again. (laughs) He's like, like, pull up X5 Warfoot 1423 camera. Okay. From the yeah. southeast corner. Yeah. And hands. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Jack and Tilk take off running towards the holding cells, and Hammond calls for extra security to level 16, which is apparently where the holding cell is. And we cut to the holding cell, which is where the Ashrak now is. And he has apparently killed the two airmen that are standing guard with just uh, his gun, like the gun that he got from whoever he stole the uniform from. And he says to Jolinar, Krishak Jolinar, by decree of the Gould system lords, you will die with dishonor by the power of the Herakesh. So apparently the device on his hand is the Herakesh and he like blasts her with it. And we sort of get this whole skull thing, but it's apparently also doing something because she's apparently in a lot of pain and she finally like crumples to the floor unconscious as some more airmen rush into the room and he tells them that she is dead is okay. Question is he playing off like she killed the other two airmen and he had to kill her back. Like, is that what he's trying to play out in this scenario or like she killed them and they killed her some like, why would they not question her being dead? Ooh. That is, hmm, because I, because what I get from that, Mm -hmm. because we learn later that, you know, Sam lives, I keep thinking back on that scene wondering, does he run out of the room because the other two come in or because he thinks that he's succeeded? I think he thinks he succeeded. Because then he's the worst assassin ever. Because he didn't even, she didn't even take a pulse. I because that would also play into it too is why why he runs out of the room yeah but no i'm not sure why he would say if he tried to play it off like she killed everybody okay 
But the, wait, no, but he used the gun to shoot people, right? Yeah, he used the gun to shoot the guards that were in the room when he got in there. Then and he didn't plant the gun on her, or did he? N- not that I saw. Mm. So I don't think that's what he was doing. Okay. But he's kind of, like, blocking her body, so who knows what the airman who came into the room could see. I don't know. Also, when he puts the thing on her forehead yeah. to kill her, and it does, like, the x-ray yeah. effect again, are we supposed to see Jolinar in there? You do. I thought you, I thought you see, do, yeah. Yeah, you see sort of, like, down where her mouth is, there's, like, a dark blob that's not a spinal cord. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you do, Yeah, you do see Jolinar in there, which is cool. That's cool. I like how they do that. So anyway, so the Ashrak and the other guards sort of run out back down the hall as Jack and Tilk are running in. And he says, Colonel, the prisoner and two guards are dead. How how does he know Jack is the colonel? How does he know (laughs) he should not know any of the things that he is saying? Because he's not. He's not. This is why uh, we are super fans. We spend the entire time. Know these things. (laughs) This is why they need to employ. Yes. Like just super nerd fans yes. on all TV shows, every single TV show whose job is to do nothing but watch the shows over and over again and just yes. be like, there's no possible way this even makes sense. No, doesn't. But Jack and Tilk keep running, although Tilk does kind of like look back over his shoulder at the guy and they find, you know, Sam crumpled on the floor, obviously. And Jack tells Tilk to get a medical team ASAP. And we see Sam sort of getting rushed to the infirmary while Dr. Fraser is doing CPR. And they start working to try and revive her. Quick cut to the gate room where we see Daniel send Talia off. And she's like, you'll be fine. Somebody will be through to check on you in a little bit. And back in the infirmary, apparently the EEG is reading signals from both Sam and the symbiote, so they need to, like, separate those so they know which one is who. And then we see the Ashrak and the airman rush into the gate room after it's shut down, and Daniel walks down the ramp and kind of goes, hey, I know you, you were at the hospital, and hey, whoops, Daniel's now a hostage. (laughs) So, yeah. This is such a bad Daniel scene, too, because yeah, he literally says, hey, I know you. (laughs) It never ends well. Don't do that. You leave the room and you go up to the control room where General Hammond is and go, hey, that airman was in a doctor's uniform at the hospital. It's like when they say in horror movies, never, ever say I'll be right back. Yeah. (laughs) Never say, hey, I know you. No. in action TV shows and movies, never ever say, hey, I know you. <laughs> <Yeah>, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so back in the infirmary, Sam has been stabilized, but she's not out of the woods yet because it appears that Jolinar is dying and taking Sam with him, him, her, him. Anyway, uh, the Ashrak is now pleading for the gate to be opened again not going to happen. They're never going to do that. Stop asking people. It's never going to happen. And she put a sign next to the Stargate. <laughs> Stop asking. It's not opening. Stop asking. And we get an alert to the base about an intruder in the embarkation room and Jack, who's in the infirmary motions for Tilk to go. And they try to shock Sam one more time to get her back alive. And then Tilt goes into the gate room with a Zack gun and he he apologizes and then shoots Daniel and the Ashrak, 
which Daniel falls, leaving the Ashrak now open to being shot a second time to kill him. So Ashrak's dead, Daniel's fine, and recovered awfully quickly from that Zakun blast, but please don't do that again, because that was not fun. Right, because the last time they used them, they all passed out for, like, hours. Yeah. So, I mean, is it because one blast was at two people, so he got, like, a half blast? And that's why it wasn't as bad? Still should have knocked him out a little bit. I know. It's like, or has has he just been shot enough times that his body's, like, used to it? And with, like, the circuit, is is his body just becoming accustomed to, like, ghoul technology and can process it? better than everybody else if so that is terrible technology if you can build the tolerance for that (laughs) terrible yeah yeah oh but yeah he he recovered way too quickly um and in the infirmary jolinar has now died and they're gonna try and like give sam like adrenaline or something to get try and get her body back but she comes out of it herself and she has a pulse She's alive, and she manages like open her eyes briefly, and Jack's like, "Hey, you're great, you did it." And she's like, "No, Jolinar died to save me." So, yay, yay, Jolinar, I guess. Yay. yay. So we cut to the next day, a few days later. Sam's still in the infirmary. and Daniel comes in with like a big vase full of flowers, and Sam's just like, kind of laying there staring off into space, not really talking to anybody, which is kind of understandable considering everything she's been through in this episode. Uh, mm. Yeah. Sam's been through a lot. Um, but then out in the hall, we see that Cassandra's there and Daniel does confirm that Sam's no longer a ghoul and actually tells Cassandra her body is absorbing the symbiote, which I don't know if that was really necessary. <laughs> Like, did you did you really need to tell Cassandra? I don't I don't think that was really necessary to tell the small child. Which also makes no sense. Why yeah. would it do that? Yeah, like how? Like what? It's a completely foreign object. Yeah, I just I, I don't quite understand what exactly is happening with the symbiote now. Like, it's not, it's not it right. should just be a dead husk in her body. Like, yeah, that she should have to have surgically removed. Yes. Um, it makes no sense. No, it, re- it, it really doesn't. I don't get it either. But apparently that's what happens because that's what the show says happens. So today that's what happens. <laughs> um, In this episode, that's what happens. Yes. And Jack is sure, though, that Sam will be very happy to see Cassandra. So Cassandra goes in to see Sam, who still says nothing. But she smiles kind of sadly, Cassandra. And since Sandra goes, you'll be fine. And the end. So that was in the line of duty. It's a good one. I like it a lot. So what do you like about it? Because we just spent an hour picking it apart. I <laughs> I love the Tokra. And I really like the idea that because even with humans, there are good humans and there are bad humans. So there can't be all bad ghouled. There have to be some good ghouled, as weird as that seems to say. And I like that there are good ones out there trying to not be evil dictator people. 
I guess. Um, yeah, and I think it's a good episode for Amanda. I like what she does in this, and I just like the whole thing about it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I do really like this episode. I I think the character that Amanda did for Jolinar was very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Because if you're thinking of a character, right, that's like leading a rebellion they've yeah. been through some shit so like mm-hmm. they're they're not gonna be like a kind-hearted oh hey you they're gonna be you know they're gonna be hardened and they're gonna yeah. be like i don't have time to deal with you i have a way bigger agenda than you yeah that's true so yeah. so i do kind of like that the whole time Jolinar wasn't like evil you know like yeah like rude or mean but definitely like i do not have time for you yeah <laughs> You need to just let me go because there's bigger shit to deal with out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, I do always kind of wonder, like, obviously, Jolinar knows where he, she is. So why not try to make allies? I always kind of yeah. wondered. Yeah, because she does mention that the Tauri have become powerful. So yeah. why like why would... is she so contradictory and so adversarial? Yeah, that would have been a huge opportunity to make allies of them. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a definite missed opportunity. And yeah. I like pretty like this whole series. I really don't remember how it plays out in the next few episodes of how Sam kind of explains how she, you know, experienced Jolinar. Yeah. So I'll be excited to see that. Yeah. yeah. I do like the Chokra. Yes. I liked it. Liked it. Liked it. Great. Interesting. Um, any memos besides Dr. Fraser's memo of everybody getting an MRI or ultrasound? <laughs> Anything else we need to do? <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to think of something funny. Can, can no, but I think I really, you know, they really need to work on their quarantine protocols. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's not a lot this episode, just really at yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, um, would they? So, the assassin, mm-hmm. right? Is there, in order to treat the burns and all the medical things in his body, do you think at any point in time to figure out his injuries, they would have given him an x ray, therefore discovered oh. there's some sort of weird device in his stomach? And also the gold in his head. And also the gold in his head. You think that one would have come know. up sooner? I don't know, because I I I think his only injuries were the burns. So, but it's I don't know. Usually do, pretty do you standard. Wanna... Yeah. Hey, you're pretty banged up. Let's figure out what's all wrong with you. Maybe they're trying to wait for his burns to heal more. I don't know. Because, like, would any sort of, would, like, burn ointment interfere with the x-ray in any way? I, I don't know. I don't know completely how x-rays work. <laughs> I don't think, I think as long as it doesn't have any sort of metal or radiation in it, okay. I think it's fine. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, so that was a misstep yeah. by the doctors then, I guess. I, that's a big plot hole right there, I think. Yeah. Because I think if he was that injured, they probably would have given him an x-ray at some point in time. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I never, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I see anything else. Um, yeah. I see. I got nothing else. No. 
now. Looking, um, looking forward to the next one. Yeah. Um, episode title. I think this one's very fairly self-explanatory this week. I think this all happened in the line of duty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, Although it is interesting because you could see it for both ways. Jonar uh, was also in in the line of duty in a way. Yes. Yes. She it. Yes, they were. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All okay. of them really were. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole show is in the line of duty. If you want to get that far with it. <laughs> Everyone is. Everybody's always in the line of duty. All except, right. Except Cassandra. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's just a kid, so she wasn't really doing anything. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, thank you everybody for listening. I hope this episode comes out okay because I'm going through some storms right now. So hopefully this recording sounds fine. And if it doesn't, that's why. Uh, but from our end, everything seems to be okay. And I hope it all sounds good to you guys. So if it doesn't sound good. You could just put an auto tune on it and make it sound really awesome. <laughs> make it sound like Cher. Make it sound like Cher and or robots, which okay. is debatable that Cher sounds like that anyway. Yes. All right. I'll see what I can do. Well, again, thank you everybody for listening. You can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo. That's W O O S G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please, wherever you find us. And we will see you next time for prisoners. Bye. Bye.